Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. I wanted to talk to the voices around our lives. Um, and in that regard, I want to I wanna speak um, about what others say about what I say and about what God says. So that's, they kind of lead into uh, each other a little bit. They're not quite as distinct as that, but it just gives you an idea of where we're going, what others say to me, what I say to me and what God says to me. Because we're impacted. We're impacted by the voices around us, but we're also impacted by the voices in our inner world. We're, we're impacted by the voice in our own head. And, uh, and so I want us to just want to take us on a little bit of a journey here. And then we're going to have an opportunity to engage towards the end in, in kind of a practical way. So that uh, we're not just hearing about stuff, but we have a, we have a moment. One of, the, one of the things that... Um, has spoken to me so often down the years is is the book of Nehemiah in this area. So Nehemiah Nehemiah chapter four. Uh, I'm not just going to read the scripture. I'm gonna I'm gonna work our way through it a little bit. Nehemiah was a man who had a vision from God. He had uh, a desire, uh, a vision to see the walls of Jerusalem rebuilt, and and God. God brought um, resource to that vision. I, I want you to understand something that I truly believe that when you are carrying God's vision and God is pro the vision, there will always be provision. Because when God's pro the vision, that's not just me going off doing my own thing. When when I am out working a godly vision for my life, then, and God is pro that vision, then He will make sure the, the, the provision comes. And this is exactly what happened to, to Nehemiah. In fact, I think pretty much you would think that if, if you were um, seeking to rebuild a city from the ground up, your biggest challenge would be the provision, the stuff with which to build. And as it turned out, it didn't actually, it wasn't actually the biggest challenge because God did something amazing right up front. And because we haven't got time today to look at all that, um, but very powerful uh, that, that God provided. And, and we see that they, be, they began to rebuild. And so we're going, to, we're going to read from verse 4 of, of chapter 4 of Nehemiah. It says, when, when Sambalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. Um, he ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria. And I, 
So I want to I want to break in there to remind us and help us understand that when we're out working the vision of God for our lives, it doesn't mean that everybody's going to be happy about it. Right. Right. It doesn't mean that you're going to get everybody's support and everyone's going to be standing there and, and just saying, oh, it's awesome, it's awesome. Sometimes when you are doing the will of God, uh, people get angry and, uh, and, stand, and stand against. And, and, and we find that, that this, this became, the voices were already activated because in the presence of his associates and the army, you see, ridicule needs an audience. It wasn't just words. It was the, the ridicule needed an audience to, to hear what was being said. And he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life? from those heaps, heaps of rubble, burned as they are. Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their walls of stone. See, this, this is what the enemy's voice sounds like. This is what it sounds like because firstly, it was personal. He said, what are these feeble Jews doing? They, the, 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 the insults were personal in regard to what they look like. Do they look like, are they, do they look like they can deliver? Well, they don't. They look feeble. They, they don't look like they're up to the task. So they had a pop at them for the way they look. Then they had a pop at them for uh, the mission itself, the vision itself. You know, will they really restore this war? They cast doubt on what they could do. And then thirdly, they, they mocked and minimized what had already been accomplished. They said, bro, look what you're doing. If even a fox, if it walked on that, it would, just, it would just become as nothing. It would break it. It would break it down. Right. And, and, and these people, they prayed to God. They said, here is God. Now, obviously, this is the Old Testament because Jesus would probably give us a little bit of a different direction uh, in, in, in these prayers. But they said, here is, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. But when Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. Right. You see, the enemy will always be angry when his fiery darts have not done wow. what he intended them to do. Wow. Right. Yeah. 
They, they thought that their poisonous words would be enough to halt the work. But they heard that the work had indeed gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed and they were angry. So verse 8, they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. Sometimes you can be right in the middle of doing something great for God, but there is an enemy who is looking to stir up trouble. And it says we, we prayed to our God and posted a God. And I was gonna say, I was gonna say this bit that we prayed and we posted, but then I thought that just says something about the day and age that we live in. Because I can't just say we prayed and we posted. Because it's, this bit isn't about social media. It's, but it is about faith and works. And I think that's important to understand because Nehemiah teaches us that it's important to pray. But also there are some practical things that we can do to stand against what is coming against us. Verse 10, meanwhile, the people in Judah said, so these were the Jews who were rebuilding, the strength of the laborers is given out. There is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we, be, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to their work. Now, because we've got the luxury of knowing the end of the story, we know that didn't happen. But how many of you know, you can hear stuff like this yeah. right. and you feel threatened, yeah. you feel worried, yeah. you, feel, you feel overwhelmed that, that this enemy is speaking words that, that, is, that is making you feel undermined. But I also want you to notice the timing. Right. The strength of the laborers were giving out right. because there was so much rubble. So there is something going on here that, that they came to build. But, and, and, and there's something very exciting about building. Because you see something that is going to be built up. You see something that is going to have results. Yeah. It's exciting to be part of something that you're going to see the results. But what they hadn't taken into account was the rubble. In order to build, they first had to clear the rubble. Now, God didn't say go into Jerusalem and clear rubble. He said, go into Jerusalem and build. Right, right. But clearing rubble is part of building. That's so good. And in fact, yeah. in fact, some of that rubble was actually used to rebuild. But they were being worn down because they couldn't get to it. The wall was halfway. They built the wall halfway. How many of you know that when you put a lot of effort in and, and, and you know and you've 
You've, you've worked with all your heart. That's what, that's what it said, didn't it? They worked with all their heart. They gave it everything. They, they gave their all, but the wall, ah, it's only halfway built. I know now that I've done all this. I've done all this, but we've still got, we're only halfway. And it was the rubble that got to them. It was the rubble that got to them. And because I, I believe there was something going on here. It wasn't just about the rubble. It was about the external voices that were starting to get into their heads. And if that was not enough, verse 12, then the Jews who were living nearby, these were, these were the people, these were their people. These were not the enemy. These were their people and they, they, they lived nearby. They told us. Right. Not once, not twice, not three times. They told us 10 times. Right. Wherever you turn, they will attack you. You see, I think that the enemy's voice had, had got into their heads right. and their strength began to give out. They found themselves overwhelmed. In that place, the enemy's voice was repetitive and insistent. It was repetitive and insistent. And I believe the most damaging place was that it came from the Jews. Because when the enemy is speaking, you expect it from the enemy. You don't expect it from my guy. You don't expect it from my brethren. You don't expect it from, you don't expect it from my mates, from my friends, the people who walk with me, the people who are the same culture as me, the people who, who know about me. I, I expect it from those guys. But, but you, you are coming to say these things. I want to remind us that as Christians, we shouldn't be allowing our mouths to be doing the devil's work. In Revelation 12, verse 10, the Bible says this, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before God day and night, has been hurled, hurled down. Right. Who, who's being spoken about here? The devil. Right. The devil is being called the accuser, in the old language, the accuser yeah. of the brethren. Right. The accuser of the brothers and sisters. There is a spiritual duty of the devil to spread accusation amongst us. Right. Seeds of division. He, he has a plan to get us upset with one another. Why? Because Jesus himself said that a house divided against itself cannot stand. It's true of a church. It's true of your family home. A house divided against itself cannot stand. And so we've got to remember that our fight is not against flesh and blood. 
but against principalities and powers. It is a battle against the evil one. And we need to be spiritually aware that, that the enemy is going to drop things in our heart, in our mind, uh, and get us to think things about people. Worse, he'll get us to say things about people that are not true, but, but he is seeking to, to, to halt the vision. That's what he was planning to do with Nehemiah. Now Ephesians 4, and, and of course when Paul is writing his letter to Ephesians, the encouragement to us is that these things are as old as time. But he said, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Why? Because words are powerful. Words are powerful in your own head. Words are powerful when they leave your lips. So the external voices, the voices of the enemy and the voices of the frenemy. See what I did there. They are... They are powerful. And, and so the external voices have an impact, but, but also what I say to me is so important. And this is where it's not quite so distinct because what I say to me is so often influenced by what others have said. And do say. And the words of others can wear us down. I would want to say that the words of others are not all negative. The words of encouragement, the words of the prophetic, the words that do build people up, they mold us and they shape us. But that which will work for us can also work against us. Words can tear down. Words can erode where's, uh, your confidence. Words can work on your heart and shape it into a shape that it shouldn't be. Let me ask you, is there something, is there something in your life, in your life, is there something that somebody <laughs> has said that replays in your mind. Something negative I'm, I'm talking about now. Maybe it, was a, maybe it was your mom, maybe it was your dad, maybe it was a friend, maybe a teacher, maybe a pastor, maybe a boss. Stuff that Every now and again. I'm not saying it's always front and center. I'm not saying that it's something that you necessarily, necessarily battle every moment of every day. Um, but, but it's just, there's just something that comes that maybe when you're stepping out of your comfort zone a little bit, maybe when you're doing something that you don't normally do. And it's like that, just that negative voice turns up to rob you of your confidence. Right. In, in that moment. 
Is there something that you don't do because someone once made fun of you? I thought I'd, when I was doing this, I thought I haven't thought about this in years, um, uh, which is great because it means that it's not an issue anymore. But it definitely once was for a very, very long time. And it is, when I'm going to tell you this, it's pathetic, right? It's utterly pathetic. You're going to say to me, well, why did you let that get into your head? I don't know. <coughs> I don't know. I was actually, so I was uh, actually away years and years ago now, like, um, I mean, like 30 years ago, I was away, I was away on a missions trip, and uh, we were, we're in this place, and it was a place where it was like a communal bathroom, and I uh, was brushing my teeth, and, and, you know, as you do, when you brush your teeth, you, you, you spit after you'd, you, you brush your teeth. And someone who was with me said, oh, what are you doing it like that for? <laughs> no, I, I, didn't know I, was, I didn't know I was doing it like anything. I was, I was just doing what I, I, I'd always done. And I felt really embarrassed because it was done in front of everybody. I didn't know, I didn't know that I'd done anything wrong. I'd, I'd just done it like I'd done ever since I was little. But now, but you, you know, I mean, most of us, we're not brushing our teeth in front of everybody, are we? You know what I mean? It's like, but that was a moment where I was. And, and it's, a, it's a pathetic thing, you know? It's like, it was, you know, people were laughing and, and it was just like, you know, it, that moment disappeared. But I need you to know, for years after that, every time I came to brush my teeth, that moment played in my mind. I can spit in so many different ways you would not even (laughs) believe. Just in case, I don't know, I am now an expert in spitting after brushing my teeth because I think I've tried every way. Until, and I had a moment of realization one day, which was literally, Malcolm, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you letting that moment control your life and control the way you spit. I'll spit however I want to. Thank you very much. I I didn't even know. I didn't even know that there was like, you know, experts on spitting. But there are, apparently. But there just came a point where I said, but the, the, the thing is, it took me a long time to get to that point. I just, that was something that just played every day, played every day. And I just had, you know, we had it a couple of weeks ago, enough is enough moment. Where I just, it was like I woke up. I woke up to what am I doing? Why am I letting what that guy said dictate every day what, how I brush my teeth. Maybe, maybe, maybe there was, um, maybe there was something physical that, you know, especially when you're at school or whatever, the, you know, people uh, used to take a pop at. Used to call me Dumbo. It's all right, guys. I'm only preaching this for a personal therapy session. I'm just, I'm just dealing with a few issues as I preach to you today. 
it's not an issue anymore. I love my ears. But you know, when you're little, it was a big deal. You know what I mean? Uh, we didn't have blue tack when I was little, but I'm sure I would have tried to blue tack them back or something. But you know, because, but it, make, it makes you conscious. The thing is about ears, you can't really hide them. They are literally just there. But, but the point is, is there something? Is there something that you feel conscious about? Maybe even now, there's stuff that, that you feel uncomfortable about. Maybe someone made a comment about something, a part of your body. And, and it's not, you've just, you've integrated it into your thinking. You've integrated, maybe it was, it was uh, just the way you did something. Or, and, and, and now you find, you, you, it's not even always that your consciousness is thinking about it, but you live around it. You dress around it. You, you hide things. Um, I wonder, I wonder what, what we have been robbed of in this room because we're afraid that someone might laugh at us. I wonder what talent has been buried. What gift has been buried because... Or just even what joy has been buried. No, it doesn't even have to be something like, you know, maybe, maybe you never dance in church or at a wedding or anywhere because someone once took the rip out of you for the way you, you dance. And, 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 and that's, that's maybe not just about a talent. Maybe that's just about enjoying yourself. I think that there's... There's just joy in being able to get up and have a dance. You know, it's, listen, you know, I've had to, it's something I've had to overcome because, um, you know, particularly when it comes to dance, um, rhythm can be a little bit of a foreign language sometimes (laughs) to me. And and so it's, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard, but you know, you, you've, you, the, there has to come a point. Well, there doesn't have to, but there just comes a point when, excuse me, so I, I, you just think, well, stuff it. If you don't like the way I dance, that's your problem, but I'm going to enjoy myself. Because while you're sitting there laughing, I'm dancing. And I'm having a good time while I'm doing it. And I, I think that we... Whatever your, whatever your thing is, what is it? Was it maybe you sang or, or was it that you, you once wrote something and someone had a laugh or, you know, and, and it shut you down before you ever got started. And, 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 and I want to say that, that sometimes when there's something precious seeking to be built and seeking to be released, think about Nehemiah, the enemy is always there. Maybe some things have been shut down. It wasn't that you weren't any good. It's just that you weren't any good yet. Because some things take time. Visions from God take time. Visions from God are hard work. Visions from God, you're going you're gonna to have moments where you're doing it with all your heart and you're going to get disappointed. Hello, Nehemiah. 
Visions from God are going to have all kinds of voices turning up, pointing the finger and trying to pull you down. But at the end of the day, there's got to be something inside of you that says, my God, strengthen my hands. My God, with your help, we will do what we set out to do. We will not give up. We will not throw in the towel. We will not stop doing what God has asked us to do. And yes, the wall may only be half built. And yes, there still may be a lot of rubble, but God still spoke and He is still on with His plan. And while ever we keep trusting and we keep going, we will see what He has promised brought to fruition. The most dangerous thing is when the voice of the bully becomes the voice in your own head. When the voice of the bully influences the things you think and say. You know, a boat can be in the water. It can be surrounded by water. And it doesn't matter how much water there is, that boat will not be taken down. Because it's not the water outside the boat that will take it down. It's if you let the water get in the boat. And you, you have to work at not letting the water get in the boat. You've got to work at not letting those voices get in here and wear you down. You see, Jesus introduces us to a woman in the Gospels in Matthew chapter 9. And uh, it's the woman with the, the issue of blood. She has been sick for 12 years. She has visited every doctor and she has spent everything that she had on trying to get well. And now after spending everything she had, she's sick and poor. And, and we read that suddenly in, in Matthew 9 verse 20, suddenly a woman came from behind Jesus and touched the tassel of his prayer shawl for healing. She'd been suffering from continual bleeding for 12 years, but had faith that Jesus would heal her. For she kept saying to herself, for she kept saying to herself. For she kept saying to herself, if I could only touch his pressure, I would be healed. Focusing on Jesus and keep saying the right thing to yourself led this woman to her miracle. She got a miracle that nobody else got. Jesus was in a crowd. She pressed through the crowd and touched the hem of his prayer shawl. And, and the reality is, I mean, there's a whole preach around that because she shouldn't have even touched Jesus. But, but she, she did not allow those voices in her head to stop. I think that's why she had to keep saying to herself. She kept, 
saying to herself, because in her head she was saying, you shouldn't be doing this, you shouldn't be doing this. They might stone you, you're going to die. Uh, you know, the, 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 what the doctor said was true. Why are you even doing this? But, but she kept saying to herself, if I can just get to Jesus, if I can just, if I can just touch His pressure, I will be healed. This is not just positive thinking. It is a determination to make a shift from stinking thinking to biblical thinking. We've got to make a shift from stinking thinking to biblical thinking. See, I, 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 grew, up, I grew up in a home. And, and thank God this is not everybody's story. But I, I grew up in a home. Um, you know, my sister's in the room with, with you know, which was highly sarcastic. It was an environment of, of, of put downs. Uh, it, it focused, it focused on, on what we couldn't do as children rather than what we could do. So what happened? I grew up more focused on what I couldn't do than what I could do. When you are Growing up in an environment like this, your world shrinks because it robs you of your confidence. You live avoiding problems rather than embracing possibilities. You avoid doing anything that might make you feel humiliated or get you laughed at. This environment kills the spirit of adventure. You end up being a version of yourself that you think others want you to be. You say what you think needs to be said to stay accepted. You tolerate being the butt of people's jokes just so you can remain part of the gang. You put yourself down before anyone else gets a chance to. The thing is, of course, my parents reproduced the environment that they'd grown up in. And without Jesus in my life, history no doubt, would have repeated itself in some way. I I say this because I want you to understand that when it came to the bringing up of my kids with with Lynette, unless Jesus had done something in me, I would repeat those mistakes. And trust me, even with Jesus, sometimes I open my mouth and I heard my father come out. Even though I said I would never say it. Sometimes I open my mouth and I heard my mother come out. Even though I said I would never say it. In order to change the voice that spoke to the next generation, my kids, I needed to first change the narrative in my own head. I had to change my expectations of life. And of them. One of the things, and one of the ways, and I've got to say, it wasn't that 
I don't know, except by the Holy Spirit, that the, the Lord gave me insight and understanding that I needed His Word to help me change the narrative in my own head. And God gave Lynette and I wisdom to understand that we needed to release. And we're not the only ones. I know there are people in the room who've done exactly the same thing. We've released the Word of God and, and, and believed that somehow that was going to bring change in us and in our family. One of the the, uh, the scriptures that I used over and over again for years and years and years was Psalm 112. It's in the Living Bible. Some of you have been on the road a long time. You, you would know about the Living Bible. It was about the closest thing we had to a modern translation. Back in the day, it was a bit of a paraphrase. But this was what I, I spoke out over and over again. Psalm 112 in the Living Bible says, Praise the Lord. For all who fear God and trust in Him are blessed beyond expression. You see, you've got to know that you've got to speak this stuff out on your tough days. You've got to speak this stuff out on your dark days when you can't see a way through. Yes, happy is the man who delights in doing his commands. His children shall be honoured everywhere. For good men's sons have a special heritage. He himself shall be wealthy and his good deeds will never be forgotten. When darkness overtakes him, light will come bursting in. He is kind and merciful and all goes well for the generous man who conducts his business fairly. Such a man will not be overthrown by evil circumstances. God's constant care of him will make a deep impression on all who see it. He does not fear bad news, nor live in dread of what may happen. For he is settled in his mind that Jehovah will take care of him. That is why he is not afraid, but can calmly face his foes. He gives generously to those in need. His deeds will never be forgotten. He shall have influence and honour. Evil-minded men will be infuriated when they see all this. They will gnash their teeth in anger and slink away their hopes thwarted. This is the Word of the Lord. This is what I've spoken over me and my wife and my family for years and years and years. It changed the narrative. I remember even we, we used the Word of God and, and if Aaron was here, he'd be able to tell you, you know, he went through one of those seasons as so many kids do, like just through frustration, he, he was finding it hard to um, control uh, his, his, his temper. And, and, and we said over and over again, there is a future for a man of peace. We used to get him to confess it. You know, I, I, we didn't care whether he was rolling his eyes or whatever. You know, there is a future for a man of peace. Well, I can tell you these years on that there clearly is a future for a man of peace because that confession changed his life. If the woman with the issue of blood could stand against the negative prognosis of the doctors and, and by standing against it, it enabled her to pursue Jesus in spite of everything that stood against her. She she changed the voice in her own head. She changed the voice she listened to. She got her healing and Nehemiah built the walls. 
but both had to change their minds. You see, there are other people speaking and there's a voice inside of me. But you know, at the end of the day, what's most important is what God says to me. We don't silence the voice of the inner bully by sheer willpower. Romans 12, as we looked at it uh, a couple of weeks ago, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. It's about renovating your mind. We need the Word of God to help us renovate our mind to help us move. The Word of God helps us move, helps us shift from stinking thinking to biblical thinking. In Luke chapter 4, we understand that when the devil came and spoke lies to Jesus, Jesus used the Word of God. He used truth to cancel the lie. Even Jesus, even the Son of God, didn't just come up with positive thinking in that moment. When the devil came to tempt him, when the devil came to lie to him, Jesus Himself, the Son of God, used the Word of God to stand against the lies of the devil. Matthew 4 verse 4 says, But Jesus told him, speaking to the enemy, He says, No, the Scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That means we don't just live by what we eat and drink. But our lives are also sustained by the Word of God. My life, my marriage, my family, the way forward, it is sustained by the Word of God. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK.